found in Joshua chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed for the inheritance to them. By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half tribes. And you say, wait a minute, there were 12 tribes. Well, I'm going to read to you where two of them decided not to go over. They decided that where they was good enough. I never have understood that. For Moses had given the inheritance to two tribes and a half tribe on the other side of Jordan, but unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Therefore they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save the cities to dwell in and their suburbs for their cattle and for their substance. And the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephaniah, the Kenzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of God, sent me into Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thy inheritance and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and set, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake the word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day four, four score and five years old, eighty-five years old, as yet as I am strong this day, as I was the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, thereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest the Lord, for thou heardest that in that day, now that the Anakins were there, and that the city were great and fence. If so be, the Lord will be with me, even I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephaniah, Hebron, for his inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephaniah the Kensite until this day, because that he followed, wholly followed the Lord. God of Israel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, we ask that you'll bless it and anoint it afresh to our hearts and our lives. And God, uh, impress upon us today, Lord, that your word is true and that, God, that we just need to wholly follow it. And God, that all the promises in the Bible are for us. And we ask now 
For your anointing not only upon me, but upon this congregation, that their hearts might understand and hear your word. And we'll give you praise and glory for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. Amen. You know, when God first saved us, and I know if you've been born again, you remember. You might not remember the day, but you remember the time. And you also remember as you begin to grow into the Lord, there's things that God placed in our hearts and things we learned that we needed, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved today, you need it. And you're going to need it more next month than you're going to need it this month. And as time goes on, if Jesus tarries, I'm telling you, that is the one thing that's going to keep us in the times of trouble that's headed our way. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you that we're living in troublesome times and they're going to get worse and worse. We can't even decide who we want for a president anymore. Come on. Hello? But it don't make any difference because this Bible is going to be fulfilled whoever is president. And this Bible tells us that we're going to have some troublesome times And what we need as children of God is to hold on to all the promises that God has given us. There are some promises that is for everybody, and then there are some times when God has promises just for you, some things that he wants you to do, some things he wants to put in your life that you can minister as he wants you to minister. I knew a man once that wasn't a preacher, but his whole desire was to win souls for Jesus. Not when he run into something, but every day he prayed when he got up, God, lead me to someone to win to you, somebody to witness to. And he told me, I have never, not one day yet, did not find somebody to witness to. Now, doesn't mean they all got saved, but he, he, he witnessed to them. I thought that was a wonderful thing in his life. And I wonder where the church world would be today if we all had that in our life. That was something personal for him. That's something God promised him and put in him that he could do, and he did it. And so there's some promises in our lives. And surely winning souls ought to be one of them. Sometimes we're called to the mission field. We've had missionaries in here, and we've got people in here that's that's called for the mission field. That's that's what God has placed in their hearts. Others are pastors and teachers and, and just whatever God has said for you to do, you can do it. But, you know, sometimes as time goes on, we begin to think, well, I don't know about that. Well, I want you to know Caleb waited upon his promises for 45 years. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but none of it was his fault. It was a fault of others. It's the position that he was put in. But one thing I can say about him, he never, never, never forgot his promise that God gave him. And we need to hold on to the promises of God today. Satan to do everything he can to try to get us to forget those promises. You can depend on it. You know, when, when it seems that we are reading about mountains, and this is what 
God had promised him this is something that is usually on a mountain where God did something significant, where he made promises, where he so completed the thing. When he, when he made a covenant or gave promises or presented himself or demonstrated something awesome, he, he always did it on the mountain. He did it so much that one of the uh, tribes, I can't think who it was, maybe the Assyrians said uh, when they had lost the battle on the mountain, they said, well, let's fight him in the valley because he's just the God of the mountain. But I want to tell you, he's the God of the valley too. And he's God. But I like being on the mountain with him, don't you? I like that mountaintop experience. I know we're going to have those valley experiences, but I like what one man said, it takes two mountains to make one valley. And sometimes with valleys seems the longest because we want to stay there for some reason or another. But when God made a covenant or gave a promise or presented himself, he did it on a mountain. I think the first one we can talk about is Mount uh, Ararat, where, which is called the Mountain of Peace. This is, this is, uh, this is where Noah landed at the end of the flood. He, man, he landed on this mountain. He'd been in that thing for one year. That's a long time to be confined to a boat with a bunch of animals. Hello. And I won't say anything else, but... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, where was it? <laughs> but the fact that the, the, he was in there for one year and then... We know the story how he sent out the doves and different things and come find out he, he realized and after a period of time it landed. The flood lasted one year and it finally the, the ark rested on this mountain. And when Noah came out of the ark, he built an altar and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and God put a rainbow in the sky. Hallelujah. A covenant of peace where he said, I will never, ever again destroy the earth with water. He's going to destroy it with fire, but he's not going to destroy it with water. And that's a promise that he gave us. And there's thousands of years have passed by, and we've had some floods, but we've never had a flood that destroyed this earth. Can you say amen? A mountain of peace. Jesus said, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, was he talking about only when you're in the mountain, or is he talking about when you're in the valley? Is he talking about when there's always peace, or sometimes there's trouble? We can have peace in the time of trouble, and we need to understand that. Jesus promised us peace. Also, we find Abraham on the mountain. Abraham, our father of faith, God had promised him a child, and he, he was so happy, you know, of course, you know, he had two children, but God just wanted him to have one, but Sarah, she got, she couldn't wait, so she sent in her maiden to, to Abraham, or to Abram at that time, and, and had another child. 
I'm going to tell you something. When we add to or take away from God's plan, there's always trouble. We need to wait on God and do what God tells us to do and trust God. And he may try sometimes, like he did Abraham when he spoke to Abraham and told Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac. I want you to take him to a certain mountain. I'm going to show you the mountain. Can't be just any mountain. I want you to take you to that mountain, and there I want you to sacrifice him unto me on an altar. Now, wait a minute. God had promised Abraham that Isaac was through Isaac. He was going to bless all the nations and you know what Abraham did? The father of faith, he just loaded up and went. Amen. We'd had to talk about it to about at least half of the church. Right. Hello. We tried to figure out why God was doing this. Say amen. amen. We, we, like, we like advice from everybody but God. But Abraham, he Loaded up everything, took everything, and headed for the mountain. He got out. God showed him where the mountain was. He got on top of that mountain. He built him an altar. Isaac said, Lord, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the sacrifice for the altar? And Abraham answered, Son, God will supply himself a sacrifice. You really don't know the meaning of all that till you find out where that mountain really is. Because that mountain today is called Mount Calvary. And we know where Abraham drew the knife back and to stab his son and the angel of the Lord said, do thy child no harm. And when Abraham looked up, he saw a ram caught in the, in the bushes and he cried out. What did he cry out? Somebody tell me. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Come on. And he did provide. He provided Jesus on this mountain for our sins. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God died thousands of years later right at that same place. Isn't that wonderful? Didn't that tell you that God is alive and God has a wonderful plan? Hallelujah. Not only for all of us, but for individuals. A wonderful plan God has for us. See, the problem for many, we're, they're looking for God to provide them their need while they're walking through the valley of doubt and desperation. Hello? Get out of the valley. Claim your mountain. You know, Moses worried with people for 40 years, longer than that, a little bit, when you go through all of it, but approximately 40 years. doesn't matter. And they rebelled against him in every possible way. Done 10 wonderful miracles to get them out of Egypt. Come on. Powerful, powerful miracles. And they got on the other side of the Red Sea. What are they doing? After they got through singing, then they got to complaining. First time something went wrong, would to God we was back down there in Egypt. Hello? I wonder if God had sent them all back down in Egypt, what had happened? I'm glad he knows best. I'm glad he don't answer every prayer I pray. Come on. 
took Mount Moses up after he had been through all he'd been through. And Moses did something wrong. He, he, he hit a rock, he smoked the rock when God said, speak to it. And what's significant of that? Jesus is the rock. He's only to be hit one time. That is crucified. And after that, we just speak to him. See, all these things that God did had great significant reasons in the future, in our life. We don't crucify him. If we crucify him afresh again, we're in trouble, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews. But he was to be hit one time. The rock was to be hit one time. And then after that, he was to be spoken to. Why? Because he's our high priest. We take our prayers to him. Come on. Thank God. You just have to speak to the rock today, and it'll give the water that you need just like it did in the first day. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel his presence today. I hope you do. Let's get out. You know, when Moses was on the mountain, he heard the same voice he heard when he was in the valley down there fooling with the sheep. Same voice. You know what we need to do? Don't take us wrong. But we need to get out of the valley of the sheep and get on the mountaintop with God. We need to quit paying so much attention to people. Hello. And start more paying more attention to our God. Because people will distract you. They will discourage you. They'll talk about you. They'll get behind your back. You know about me. I took me a while, but I learned. I don't care. The more you talk about me, the more reward I'm going to have. Woe unto them they all speak well of. Hello. So keep on talking. You might be under me one day. And I won't forget. (laughs) Hello. We have a good church here, and I love our church. It's one of the best churches you can find. But anyway... Everything God seemed to do, he did it on a mountain. You know, he got to, Moses got to see God face to face, and not really face to face, because the Bible says if any man see God's face, he'll die. He just put him in a cleft rock, put his hand over and walked by him. Now, you try that. You can't do that. But God can do anything. I mean, he can do anything, and this is what God did. And the glory of the Lord came on Moses. He had so much glory on him when he come off the mountain, they had to put a veil on his face. I'm telling you, the glory of the Lord is real today. And I read about it and I hear about it in some of the old books I read in times past about people seeing the glory of God, the glory of God moving into the building. I do this sometimes. Why is it not happening today? Hmm. 
Could it be we're not living the sanctified life we used to live? Hello? Let it sink a little bit, okay? You know, there was a time when we was against everything, and now we're against nothing. The pendulum has swung this way. Well, let everything be done in moderation, okay? Amen. There's things out there that still sin, and you can okay them, but don't mean God's okayed them. But when Moses come off the mountain, the glory is on him so much they had to put a veil on his face because they couldn't look on him. Couldn't look on him. Boy, that'd be great, wouldn't it? To see somebody where the glory of God would come on him. There's a lot of mountains we could speak on and all of them could be personal mountains in our lives. One mountain we really need to go to is Mount Transfiguration and the Mount on the Sermon on uh, the Mount on the Sermon on the Mount. We need we need to realize the importance of Mount Olives where the Garden of Gethsemane was, and of course Calvary. Uh, different mountains where people interceded for God. But I won't preach to you about one mountain. And to most people, it'd be insignificant. Because there's a lot of mountains that we can get involved with. But I believe with all my heart that every person has their own mountain that God has promised them. And we could identify it with a calling in their life or things they do like prayer. I've known people that prayed all the time. Well, me and you slept, they were praying. Wouldn't it be good if we'd reach a mountain of prayer where God would move on us again to pray? Sister Puckett was one of those, or is one of those ladies. She's sick now, and she can't do what she used to do. First church I pastored, Sister Nora, she was... She was that way. She was an older lady. Get out in her old Buick night about 2 o'clock in the morning, get down and shut the door and get down and pray. Seek God for the church. That's the first church I pastored. It was growing. I thought I was doing good. Then I found out Sister Norris was praying. Amen? <laughs> Prayer is what changes things. Prayer is what moves things. Come on. Prayer is what causes things to happen. And she was a praying woman. She told me one day, she said, Brother Jerry, God spoke to me one time when I was cleaning up the kitchen and told me to go pray. And he said, I said, Lord, just as soon as I finish cleaning up the kitchen, I'll go pray. And she said, we had a pantry there, and I took something in the pantry, and it had an outside lock. And she said, when I walked in the pantry, I heard the lock fall down. And she said, that was about 830 and wasn't nobody coming home till her son came home after school. And he got there about 3.30. And she said, I learned then. When God said, go pray, go pray. Because he put me where all I could do that day was pray. Come on. 
And she was a praying woman. When God told her two o'clock in the morning, go pray or one or whenever it was, she went to pray. She had a wonderful saying when the spirit of God was moving. I can still do it, see her doing it. But when God was moving and God was blessing, she'd stand up and she'll say, the devil's mad and I'm glad. Hallelujah. I like the devil to get mad around here sometime, wouldn't you? I like to see God start moving in our services like God wants to move in our service. Not like I want, but what God wants. That's what's important. But we all have those personal times and personal moments and those callings in our life. I'm going to talk to you about Caleb just a little bit longer. He was a young man. In his time, 40 years old, some people don't think that's young. I'm 74, I think that's very young, okay? But God called him along with 12 others, him and Joshua, to go spy out the promised land. And he, he and jo, uh, Joshua who were only two that brought back a good report. Yes. We're well able to take the land. God will be with us. Yes, there's... Giants in the end, yes, the mountain, the walls are high and all that, but that don't matter. Do you realize that when God's on your side, nothing matters? Whatever problem you're going through, if you'll just turn it over to God, nothing will matter. I don't care how big the giant is. I don't care how high the wall is. My God is able, hallelujah, to do it. Praise the Lord. But the people believe the evil report. And God drove them back into the wilderness. Forty years. I think it was from 19 and younger, you could go into promised land. So they walked around and did nothing because of their unbelief. God even then took care of them. Ain't you glad that God takes care of us when we're wrong? Woo. Hallelujah. But he went and they, they turned, turned him. Caleb was the one that spoke, not Joshua. He's the one that spoke out during this time. He was, and when you look at that, you think, well, you know, Caleb's going to be the leader. But that didn't work that way. Joshua ended up being the leader for Moses. You know what I like about Caleb? He didn't go somewhere and pout about it. Hello. Well, they won't let me do this. You ever thought about you couldn't? Huh? You ever thought about you doing it for show and that's all? If I want to show, I'll turn on television. We ain't up here to be seen. We're up here to do what God wants us to do. Not that we'll receive glory, but God will receive glory. If you heard my prayer for I come up here, you'd think he's preached for the first time in his life. But I know if I preach, it's God. That's what it is in anything we do. If anything is successful in our life, it's God doing it. So many times we, we look at other people work and 
what they do, and we try to be like them. Don't be like anybody else, okay? Be yourself. Because God's got a calling and a plan for us as individuals. When God called me into the ministry, I'd made up my mind I'm going to be an evangelist. I love to hear them evangelists preach. They get loud. They say whatever they want to. Of course, I find out they get to leave town when they get through. <laughs> the preacher has to stay there and face the music of the pastor. That's my plan, being, a, being an evangelist. My grand total was three revivals that lasted three weeks, one week apart, and it wasn't even a whole week. That was it. You know why? Because God didn't call me to be evangelist. And I didn't know what it was going to cause me because I knew certainly he wouldn't have ever call me the pastor. <laughs> Proof that God does what he wants to do. Now, I pastored 40 years and Another six and a half or seven and a half years, I've either associate pastor and co-pastor with people. With the help of other people, I've been in new, two new field work, building churches. Really three. What are you trying to say? I'm just saying, who God calls, he'll qualify. And when God told me I'd build a church in Pleasant Grove, I said to God, and it is true today, God, I cannot build a doghouse. And I can't build a doghouse. But what God calls you to do, he'll surround you with people who can. Hello? He's that kind of God. Me and Hank Lash has worked on, I know, two churches. Just met Hank one time. Where's your wife? She goes up to Free Will Baptist Church. Well, get her to come down here. Now, she says she ain't never coming down here. <laughs> so we've got another new church coming, and Paula walks into that new church just to look it over, and God said, one day you're going to be the secretary and treasurer of this church. Am I right, Paula? <laughs> that wasn't her desired mountain, but God used her in many ways. Amen? God is a good God. So it's no matter what you can do or can't do, it's God that qualifies us. What we need to do is allow God to call us and put us on the mountain he wants us to be on. I'm going to tell you, too many today have lost their desire and their claim for their mountain but not Caleb. That's what, I, that's what I admire about him. That's what I love him so much about when I read about him. You know, many people set goals in their life that has nothing to do with the will of God in their life. They reach it, their goals, and it don't work and they get mad at God, and they get mad at people. And there's others who may know their claim but fail to reach it because they get lifted up within their self about things. We cannot do that. He that exalts himself shall be abased. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. 
God will lift up. Back to Caleb. For 45 years, he claimed the mountain before he got it. I just imagine every morning when he got up and he looked out his little old house and he looked and saw that mountain, he said, that's my mountain. His kids playing out in the, in the yard and he'd say, see that mountain yonder? And they'd say, yeah, Daddy, well, that's my mountain. God gave me that mountain. Yeah, but Daddy, there's some big giants on that mountain. Nevertheless, God gave me that mountain. Maybe when he went to sleep at night and he's laying there and, of course, they didn't have windows like we do and they look out and the moon was full, he could see that mountain and he may say to his wife, that's, that's our mountain. I really think he did that. I don't think he kept it in his heart. Well, see, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And we use that for bad things, but there's some good things that comes out. And he claimed it for 45 years. And he went to Joshua after 45 years, and he said to Joshua, I'm here to claim my mountain. You remember what Moses said, that everywhere I put my foot would be mine. I'm here to get it. I'm now 85 years old, and as I was when he spoke it to me 45 years old, as I am now. That's some good spiritual stuff in that because I see people get all fired up and they get saved. By the time they get 85, about through, through, okay? You watch them go this way. That's not the way we're supposed to go. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to keep the things going in our life, burning in our life. Don't get burned out. The Holy Spirit won't burn you out. You understand that? He'll give you power to work and believe and, and do the things that God wants us to do. Hallelujah. Give me my mountain. He said it all them times. I read a story, and you've heard me talk about it. Smith Wigglesworth praying for this girl that had a gourd on the side of her throat and the power of God went through her and she said I'm healed but the next morning she got up the gourd was there and next month it was there but she said I'm healed and a year went by and she said I'm healed but the gourd was still there and two years went by and three and finally her mother said to her I don't want you to hear say that anymore you're not healed, and I don't want you to say it again. Do you understand? She went upstairs that night and went to bed, and she thanked God for her healing of her gorder. And the next morning when she got up to look at mother in the face, the gorder was gone. Come on, hallelujah. You know, God even has his own time limits when he does things. We pray and we think he should have done it yesterday because he knew we was going to pray today. Come on. Sometimes we're going to go through some things. But we can grow and we can learn from those things. But eventually God's going to put you on your mountain. No telling how many times the devil told him, ain't going to happen. Too late. Look how old you are. Sometimes we use that for an excuse. 
Come on. Sometimes we use them hurts in our joints sometimes. How many of you hurt in your joints? Look at all these young people that hurt in their joints. <laughs> Won't get better unless God heals you. I can tell you that. <laughs> but don't let it stop you. Keep going. Keep traveling for God. He spied out the land. He knew what was there. And he took hold of God's promise. And he said, I'm not compromising. I'm not losing my convictions. I haven't mixed myself with the ungodly. I have not taken a Canaanite for a wife like many of them did. He said, my zeal today is as it was then. Come on. I'm fathering the Lord fully. Now give me my mountain. And you know what God did? Gave him that mountain. And you know what he did? He run every one of those uh, giants off the land and he tore down their walls and he built his own city there. Come on. I'm talking about claiming your mountain, things that God said you would do in your life. Don't give up on them. Hold on to God. Stand with me if you will. Praise the Lord. Lucas, sing that second song you sung today. You know, this is a time of rejoicing. It's time we understand who we are. Come on. We're just not some people that's gathered together, but we're blood-bought, spirit-filled. The devil fears us. I can tell you one thing. I won't say the devil won't come in here during worship service, but he'll sneak in. Come on. Amen. 